Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother Brian, who's on the road today. Our topic is drainage tile design. I don't know how this works, but whenever we have a drainage tile show, Brian happens to be on the road for those. So uh, I don't know, Brian, does that tell you something? Does that does that mean you're just going to get carried away and talk the entire hour by yourself if we talk drain tile when you're in the studio? Well, I tell people all the time, I am super excited so much on our farm. It's changed a lot of things. Like even today, I had a question from a farmer and he goes, Okay, Brian, tell me the top few ways that I can increase my soil's organic matter level. Because I hear what everybody's talking about with this carbon deal, and basically I sequester more carbon by building soil organic matter. So what do I need to do? And I said, well, one of the first things you need to do is put in tile. He's like, what's that have to do with organic matter? I said, here's why. Because look at over the years, when you have wet soil, what do you do? You till it more to dry it out. If you build that, if you want to build that soil, you got to have it dry enough so you don't have to till, number one. And number two, you want your roots going deep, and you want your roots to be more prolific and have more yield and everything. That means you'll build organic matter faster. And drainage, that's a huge key. The other big thing we've been talking to farmers about recently is this whole nitrous oxide deal. So nitrous oxide as a greenhouse gas is about 300 times more potent than carbon dioxide. Think about that, 300 times. And they've been showing now that in these poorly drained fields where they have saline issues, a saline soil can produce 40 to 50 times as much nitrous oxide as a non-saline soil. So if you wanna fix the global warming problem and you believe that greenhouse gases are doing it, then you have to tile your ground if you have a saline soil. So anyway, those are just a couple of the things that we've been talking about recently, and that's to go along with all the other good benefits of tile, mostly good yield and much, much better soil health. Well, I think if you talk about building a good, healthy soil. It has to start with drain tile. You have to have oxygen there for all those microbes. And when you think about all the things we want to do, sequestering carbon, growing big crops, and, and leaving a soil that's better than it was when we first got it, well, that, that all means you have to have great plant or great soil health. And here we go. We're talking about drainage tile design here today because, you know what, pattern tile on a, a flat field that doesn't have a lot of variability in it, I think we can kind of understand that a little bit. But where we've got a lot of variance in topography, we've got a lot of hills and valleys, we've got different soil types out there, that describes so many fields across the country. I would say a majority of the fields this would describe and this is where the tile design comes in because you don't need have the same exact needs in every area of that field. You may be tiling through valleys. You may be leaving big areas of the field where you have great natural drainage and already are maximizing everything that can, is going on underneath the soil. So I think it's kind of fun to figure out where do I need the tile? Where do I have to put it a little closer together? Where can I leave it further together? And, you know, the other thing too, where do I want to shallow it up a little bit versus go a little bit deep? So lots of things to think about when you're designing a tile drainage system. Is it is it safe to say, Brian, you start at the lowest point and work your way up from there? Well, you can. I like to start with what's the worst problem that we have and let's make sure we get that fixed because just like what you were talking about there you talk about natural drainage and so there are a lot of people 
that associate tile with above ground water and i don't think about that hardly at all what i'm thinking about is the water table it's the below ground water so what i'm saying here is you can do land leveling and you can put ditches in and all this other stuff that does not fix the problem it can help sure but what we're talking about here today is making sure we are maintaining our oxygen levels in the soil and you're not doing that when you talk about getting rid of surface water very well. We want to keep the water table down and the only way you're going to be able to do that in a lot of cases. So sure, you don't have to pattern tile every field or anything, but I will say the more that we've gotten into tile, even on our own farm, the more we are now putting in four lines in the valley instead of two lines. I mean, before we just run one on either side of the grass waterway, now we're running two on each side. We're going further up into the side hills, uh, both on the side and on the end. And so, I mean, as we have figured out more, hey, this isn't just about getting rid of enough water so we can farm. It's about lowering the water table, keeping oxygen in the ground all the time to keep our plants healthy. And that that's not just your cash crop, that's your cover crop. That's your soil microbes, even if you don't have a crop on there. We want to keep things alive in the soil. That's how you build soil health faster. Well, there are just so many problems that we've been talking about where we, we talk about lodging, we talk about herbicide carryover, and on and on, diseases. It seems like every problem that we end up talking about, hey, you know what, there's an issue going on. And oftentimes it does come back to drainage. When we've got poorly drained areas of the field, our crop just can't compete very well. We can't get that good early growth and, and good root system development. Heck, we can't even get into the field to get planting on time or to harvest timely if we've got drainage issues out there. So I know it sounds like we're uh, we're ringing the bell here with drainage, drainage, drainage. But you're right, Brian. It, it definitely starts there in almost every field that we're looking at. Well, we're not talking about draining duck ponds or anything like that either. We're talking about true farm ground that's always been farmed. It's just we're trying to get more production out of that ground. We're trying to build the soil organic matter. We're trying to make that soil as healthy as possible. And I can promise you, you will not have a healthy soil if you have excess water, which means you push the air out of the soil. We can't have that. That's where you have more compaction problems. That's where you have dead soil. That leads eventually to saline issues, sodic issues. It's all bad news. So you have to make sure that that drainage is addressed. All right, so we're talking about drainage tile design on today's Ag PhD radio show. We'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Or you can always email us, radio at agphd.com. We'll be right back. It came in waves, ruthlessly eliminating the toughest, hard-to-kill grassy weeds in wheat. Everest 3.0 Herbicide, a new formulation, delivers superior flush-after-flush control of wild oats and green foxtail. And Everest 3.0 is registered for use on yellow foxtail, barnyard grass, Japanese brome, and key broadleaf weeds that can invade your wheat and rob your yields. Ask your retailer about Everest 3.0. Always read and follow label directions. 
Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at HeadsUpST.com. Purchase your dream tractor and save your cash with can-do financing from Case IH. Save on the remarkably versatile Farmall, premium comfort Vestrum, and versatile workhorse Maxim tractors. Plus, discover amazing rates on high-capacity round balers and disc mower conditioners. Upgrade your equipment now and keep your cash flow strong next season. What's new from New Farm? Leopard Herbicide brings you exceptional planting flexibility for soybeans, field corn, and cotton. Leopard provides your spray plans with a fall or early spring option to boost resistance management. And did we mention it's a highly compatible tank mix partner due to its ultra-low use rate? Ask your dealer for Leopard Herbicide. Available for fall. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're talking about drainage tile design, and it's interesting because we get to talk to folks from all over, and that's been really fun. In fact, Brian and I have gotten to travel to a number of places around the world to, to take a look at what people are doing to manage drainage on their farms, and there are a lot of different ideas out there. And you talk about, okay, how does it differ in an area that gets lots of rain versus an area that doesn't get as much? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, we got our friend Lee Lubers on right now, and he farms in an area that I would say more times than not, Lee, you can tell me if I'm wrong here, more times than not, it's not enough rain for the year. And that you would think, well, drainage probably isn't my big concern in those times. Is that fair? Yeah, that's a good description for our area, but we still figured out that water management is critical, and that's where tile came into play. Yeah, it seems like if you're going to get wet, it's often at the wrong times of the year, uh, like planting season or harvest. So I, I can imagine, well, especially with as many different crops as you raise, uh, there's quite a few times during the year that, that you got to be really careful about keeping your soil in good shape and, and not rutting things up out there. Yeah, and, and like in our environment, we we have fields where even when we're gently rolling, we always have swales and draws and problem spots that Okay, maybe we've got we can plant ninety percent of the field, but it's a ten percent that you're wanting to catch because you know it's capable of high yields, but you can't get into it. So then you got to let the field set for three to five days. Then you're risking rain, or maybe you're going to turn and then come back and fill it in later, and that costs time and money. And so we started doing that approach more in the problem areas, and uh, the first tile we laid in was this year. And uh, we, we attacked probably 1,200 acres uh, as a whole and did all the problem areas. And we were in a drought this year, and we had water coming out of the tile within 24 hours. 
Wow. Well, that's a lot of times the question we hear. And I remember one one of the times we were doing a tile clinic on our farm, and this is back a number of years ago, and, and there were some guys that came all the way from Ohio, and they said, we've got heavy clay soils. We heard you guys had heavy clay subsoil. We just wanted to see how long it would take for that tile to run. You got some tight ground out there too, Lee. That's that's kind of impressive that the water came right out. Yeah, it, it amazed us. The one field... Uh, we went and did all the problem spots in the field, and one is notorious. Some years we cannot even get it farmed, and in 1819, being so excessively wet, it turned to reeds. We couldn't even get in there with a sprayer, do anything. We went and we tiled through that, and in less than 24 hours, the tile line was half full coming out the bottom of the field, and we feel really good about going in and planting corn this next year, knowing we can plant that field from end to end and maximize our yield potential. Yeah, you probably heard Brian tell this story before, but but we had a an 80-acre field that it normally would take us three trips to that field. Fortunately, it's fairly close to home, but it would take us about three trips there before we could finally get through the entire field. So we'd plan a little bit until it got too wet, then we'd wait, and we'd plan a little bit further, and then we'd wait. And the first time after we got tile in there, I remember my brother had a phone conversation with my dad, and he's like, Dad, we planted that whole field end-to-end -end today. And he's like, no, you didn't. There's no way. We've never done that. <laughs> And that it saves so much time when you we don't have those problem areas. Yeah, definitely. We we see the gain in efficiency uh, is going to be huge, along with the increases in yield. Well, one thing I know about your farm, Lee, you and your brother have done such a good job managing for soil health. You just have so many good things going on out there that that your yields have been just far more consistent and, and high compared to uh, a lot of other farms that we work with out in that area. And so you've done a great job. The soil health benefits, with all the microbes you guys have working out there and, and earthworms and everything else, they are going to love, 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 love that drainage improvement. Absolutely. It's, uh, we might have gave our earthworms a headache for a few days, but we know <laughs> in, in the long term, they're going to love it. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Okay, so how about crop rotation then? I mean, does this does this change anything with that, or, or do you think any differently about it? Uh, we're lucky. We, we run winter wheat in our rotation, so that gives us acres to work on in the summertime, sure. which the tiling outfit that we work with, they love that because it gives them summer work. And uh, so that works out really well. So that way we can kind of work with the lines and get things leveled out so we can still go in and no-till in the spring of 22. So you talk about the winter wheat then, and I know for, for guys that want to be no-till, they're, they're always worried about, man, I created those mounds out there, and I get it. It's probably just a one-year problem. But uh, so first year doing this, what, what do you think about that? Uh, <clears throat> we already started working on leveling. Uh, right behind the tile machines and working with it uh, with some smaller equipment and a three-point blade. And uh, basically, we have it down where we can just hit it lightly with a mulch finisher VT and plant right across the field. So it really isn't going to hinder planting at all for next year. Awesome. Awesome. Well, it's going to be fun just watching this over, over the next few years and seeing uh, other areas of your farm that you get into. Uh, Lee, thanks so much for sharing a little bit about what you're doing there. Hey, anytime. 
All right, let's head over to Minnesota. Got Noah Nelson on with us right now with Nelson Ag Drainage. All right, Noah, so you heard Lee talking about this. Uh, basically, first-time tiling. Uh, they did a bunch, and they're super happy so far. Is that your is that your response from most guys that are first time going around, or are they still worried about how much it costs and how long until they get a return on investment? Um, for the most part, guys, that uh, first time doing it, I've actually I've never had anyone say that they regret doing it. So, it, uh, yeah, there's, I mean, there's some worry sometimes, and it's, I mean, it's usually a big investment. But, uh, you know, like I said, I've never had anyone say that they wish they hadn't done it. So. My dad said his only regret about Tile is not doing more faster <laughs> and uh, getting too worried about, man, I got to gotta make stuff pay. But our experience has just been the payback's been been pretty quick. And, you know, for, for guys that say, well, I want to do it myself and save money, you certainly can. But, man, if you can get more done and you can hire somebody that's going to do it right, there's a lot of value there, too. So as, as you're doing this, we're talking about tile design. Noah, do you find more of your fields now in your part of, of Minnesota and beyond, wherever you guys are tiling, are going to pattern tile, or do you still have a lot of guys that are kind of dealing with problem areas? Um, you know, there's a lot more pattern going on. Um, you know, we kind of go in streaks here where there's, there's a little more uh, of the just taking care of spots, you know, and the crop prices aren't as good. But for the most part, guys are have been taking advantage of it. They see the advantages of pattern tile, and uh, some of it just depends on the area too. Some, you know, just south of us, it's a lot hillier, and you don't generally have the pattern tile jobs there. But uh, we get in a little bit flatter spots, and that's the majority of what we do. You know, I, I think about the heavy ground too. And one of the comments that Lee had just made, and they've got some real heavy subsoils in in uh, their farm. Uh, some of the guys are nervous about that. You, you've got some heavy soils where you're at, too. What do you see in the heavy soils? Obviously, the light soils, there's maybe a little bit more natural. Well, there is a little more natural drainage going through. But uh, the guys in these heavy soils, how, how long does it take till they really start seeing results? Uh, you know, usually we say two to three years uh, until you see probably 90, 95% benefit. Uh, I do think that over the course of time, no matter how long, I think that it, it just the systems continually start to work better, and uh, as the the soil gets more porous and, and uh, you open up them air pockets just because of the tile. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot of it depends on the clay layer and stuff like that. And just you know, usually we tell guys two to three years, and you'll you know, be really reaping the rewards. Talking with Noah Nelson here with Nelson Ag Drainage in West Central Minnesota. Uh, last question for you, Noah. What are you seeing as you dig down in the soil? Is it dry a long ways down? Have you guys got lots of moisture in the soil? What are conditions like? Uh, we have plenty of moisture around here. Uh, we're in our immediate area. It's not quite as wet it is, as it is just north of us. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, we've definitely replenished what we lost this summer, but uh, it... Uh, yeah, it's, we're in pretty good shape right around here. North of us is a little different story. It's pretty wet up there yet. But. Well, it's a good it's a good position to be in uh, if you've got plentiful moisture to have the proper amount of drainage tile on the ground to keep that water table down where it needs to be. Uh, Noah, thank you so much. You've been very generous with your time. Once again, this is Noah Nelson with Nelson Ag Drainage. Merry Christmas, Noah. Merry Christmas to you, too. We'll talk more about drainage tile design right after this.
Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. This message is for all the corn and soybean growers out there who aren't made of money. If you're using a fungicide other than Zolera FX from UPL, you should know that no corn and soybean fungicide gives you a better return on investment, period. Zolera FX has two high-performance actives delivered at full rates for maximum performance and ROI in corn and soybeans. To see the data, go to ZoleraFX.com and always read and follow label directions. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people, and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improving drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Monday, January 31st, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or you're looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, NRCS guidelines, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details and to register, go to agphd.com. The first name and last word in weed control in heavier, higher organic soil types is Authority Edge Herbicide from FMC. This proprietary combination of actives outperforms the competition, delivering up to 14 more days of residual control. Visit your FMC retailer or ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. Authority Edge Herbicide may not be registered for sale or use in all states. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like Water Hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Listen to Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today. We're broadcasting from the Morton Studio, talking about drainage tile design, but also taking your calls and agronomic questions. Our phone lines are open at 844 44 Ag PhD, and you can always email us radio at agphd.com. Let's head over to Minnesota again. Uh, we got Zach Moen with us, who's a farmer but also owns a tiling business. Zach, how are you doing? Not too bad. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. So uh, you get a pretty decent fall, I'm betting, to get a lot of stuff done on your farm, or, do, or were you in one of those areas that caught a little extra rain? Well, we caught a little extra rain, but we actually were fortunate enough. We uh, finished harvest early enough to get some more pipe in the ground that we wanted to get done, do a little bit more custom work. So 
Awesome. Awesome. All right. So how about your own farm? Now, this is always the question. It's And it starts with Brian and me because our wives give us a hard time if there's ever a weed in our yards. They expect perfection. And they're like, you guys talk about killing weeds all the time. So better make sure you take care of it at home first. How about your own farm? Have you got everything tiled you need or you still got some projects here and there or narrowing up spacings, that kind of thing? Well, we got some spots that, you know, there's a few sore spots and stuff, but mo- mostly it's the stuff that we're renting, um, just working with landlords and just trying to get little pieces done each year. So, yeah, it just takes time, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to go out and tile every quarter in a year. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Well, and you know, for, for us, we were pretty dry and I know, man, you dig down in there. We've got some moisture in the top few inches, but down below that, we're still pretty dry. So guys were able to do about anything they wanted to do this fall. It was just a matter of when's it going to snow and, and finally start getting really cold here. How far into the winter do you guys push? Uh, we actually just kind of wrapped up our dirt work and tiling stuff here probably about a week or two ago so okay yeah it's so always we, a, we try to push it as far as as far as we can yeah it's always a question of who wants to jump in that hole and make that connection <laughs> when it's wet and it's 20 yep. degrees outside yeah and i get to be the lucky one to do that so yeah yeah i i know it so that that means you get to make that call about when things are going to be done <laughs> yep Yep. Okay, so talk to us a little bit. What is what's going on right now in your area in terms of spacing, and and then what are the most popular sizes of tile that are going on the ground too? Uh, we're mostly around that. For what we do on our side of things, we're about forty foot uh, on center, um, running five inch lines. There's some guys that are bumping down to four inch and stuff, but um, the four inch stuff's mostly on like the bigger pattern jobs. Okay. Uh, mainly for our size of operation, we're just a pull type plow with a tractor. So we're doing basically just some spot tile jobs, some spot patterns and just doing some precision stuff, not going and doing a whole quarter with our, our setup. So sure. Sure. Now with the 40 inch spacing, five inch tile lines, what are you normally figuring or shooting for, for a drainage coefficient? Oh, I know it depends on on which farm. It all it all I mean it all varies. I mean it could be completely different from one side of the road to the next. So yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh. Well, I, I guess the reason that I asked that I know you know we and we've done a lot of tiling on our farm and uh, much of it. I think we're set up to handle a year where we get twenty to twenty five inches of moisture for the year. When we get into twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen, when we got more than that, it made us start rethinking. Man, maybe we should have upsized. Yeah. And that was always the coaching we got from our dad. Which, granted. Dad had more money than we did. We were just getting started. And he'd say, well, make sure you put in great big mains. That way you can always do more out there. And, uh, yeah, well, we did okay, but we probably should have sized things up just a little bit. Do you have some guys going back and, and rethinking things a little bit after a couple of wet years? You know, the, mainly the thing is is uh, we try to put in a big enough main to maybe handle – because we're averaging, I think, in our county, I think it's like 25 inches they call for mainly around there. But, I mean, if you put in a big enough main to handle that, I think you're fairly decent. Our main thing is some of these old county uh, concrete lines are starting to show their age, and we're having to go in and actually replace a lot of them. And um, they're starting to develop sinkholes, and it's getting to be a lot more patchwork, and it needs to be kind of addressed to start looking at replacing them with some plastic. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, that's just the way it is. I mean, all these things, they're going to yep. last for a long time, but they're not going to last forever. <laughs> and, and there's always going to exactly. be some, some more work to do. You can't just uh, put it on cruise control and, and forget about things. That's for sure. Yep. Well, Zach, uh, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on here today. And, and uh, personally, I'm glad you've wrapped it up for the year. I know there's probably some guys that are saying, oh, no, no, keep going. <laughs> do do my field next. But you know what? Uh, it's no fun. It's no fun when it gets really cold out there. We, we'll push usually till we get a little bit of frost in the ground. And, and once we've got a pre-rip everything to, to put in tie lines, then it's, at some point it becomes not as much worth it. Yep, yeah, it's kind of nice being the size that we are with just a tractor and a pull type. That way we don't have to worry about pulling through a whole lot of frost. Yeah, yeah, good point, good point. Well, Zach, Merry Christmas to you <laughs> and your to, family. Get to, quit, get to quit early. Yes, exactly. Well, Merry Christmas to you and your family. Thanks for being on. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Thank you. You bet. Let's head over to Illinois. we got Robert on with us right now, Robert Hemingway with Hemingway Farm Drainage. Uh, and, Robert, uh, talking to my sister a little bit, she said, Robert's not as, as crazy excited about tile as what Brian is, but I'm guessing you're still fairly positive on it. <laughs> yes, it, it's been very good for us. Uh, we had a couple of landlords die and some rented ground sell this year, and so uh, the tiling is kind of what's going to tide us over, I think. So yeah, I'm pretty enthused about it. Yeah, it's it's been a good deal here too, and I know uh, South Dakota's been a little slower to get on board. Illinois has been doing things for a long time. What do you see with the tile? Obviously, you've got ground that you've you've owned that's been tiled for a long time. Uh, are you making improvements on those pieces of ground, or, or did uh, previous generations do a pretty good job laying things out? Well, my father in nineteen in the late seventies got kind of clued into the value of pattern tiling and um, decided they wanted to invest in some and tile equipment in the early 80s. They sent me and my brother-in-law over to Jessup, Iowa, to a fellow who had some big crawlers with the big uh, tile plows on them, and, and uh, we bought a used one off of, off of him back in uh, winter of 81 or 82. I kind of lost track, and um, um, so we've been involved in that in tiling ever since then now now we've got much better setup i I like a lot better uh we've got a 450 steiger with a three-point mounted uh uh, soil max and uh similar to what you guys use and uh, i i i really prefer rubber tires over the over the track machine you know that i'm I'm glad you brought that up that that is a big debate about do I need track or do I do I just need tires? What do you I guess why do you like the tires? What have you seen? Um, okay, I, my experience was was with metal track, so transportation was was an issue with what we originally had. Sure, but um, a pretty high percentage of the work we end up doing is like this time of year, and the the advantage of tracks, you know, for farming is they reduce compaction. When you're tiling, you need you need weight and a narrow footprint to kind of get down through the slime to where you you get a better get a better bite. And uh, so we'd had we'd had some experience with metal tracks and some experience with uh, some rubber track machines as full tractors, and um, we just we like a. Uh, uh, you know, weight 
weight on a smaller footprint ends up working pretty good in these conditions. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you that we, we need to have that traction. That's really the big thing as, as we're trying to get stuff done. And you know what? Kudos to you too, Robert, thinking about, hey, here's the time of year that I'm going to be out there. It's a little different than if we were out in the middle of the summer, that kind of thing. And uh, getting good traction in the, the fall and into the early winter is is a big, big deal. So Robert, uh, big plans for Christmas? You guys traveling? You guys at home? Our out-of-state uh, grandkids are coming to us this year, so that's that's good. And uh, hopefully, my 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 other son, that's, or my middle son, that's my boss, will probably get some time off from the tiling. To, <laughs> to, so. Yeah, it's he's a- kind of a slave driver. It's always fun in those family businesses how this is going to go, no doubt about it. Well, Merry Christmas to you and your family, Robert. Thanks for being on the show today. Really appreciate it. Thank, thank you. Yep. We're talking tile design on our show today. I think I might have cut Robert off there. Yes, Janelle's giving me a, a stare down through the window that, what are you doing, Darren? Yeah, I know. It happens sometimes. Well, stay tuned. We'll be right back after this. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. How do you make 300 bushel corn on your farm? I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, February 1st, we're going to answer that question at a free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll talk about water management, fertility needs, finding success in cold soils, and we'll discuss how to protect your corn crop from weeds, insects, and diseases that rob yield potential. If you want a roadmap to 300 bushel corn and beyond, don't miss the free Ag PhD corn agronomy workshop. Register now at agphd.com. While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events that we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in soybeans and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information that we can't wait to share with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Looking to upgrade your productivity now and take control of your cash flow next season? Check out CanDo Financing on Case IH tractors and hay tools today. Discover amazing rates on the remarkably versatile Farmall, premium comfort Vestrum, and versatile workhorse Maxim tractors. Plus, save on high-capacity round balers and disc mower conditioners. Make this season your most productive yet.
Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from environmental tillage systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. Conditioning low-moisture beans to 13% can add semi-loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year-end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end-zone bin system. Use promo code 13 for 13 at farmshopmfg.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Broadcasting from the Morton studio today, we've been talking about drainage tile design. And I think uh, just to recap uh, a key point here, for us, yes, we're looking at water and we don't want to have excess water. But it's important to understand what we're really doing. In soil, there's a balance between soil, water, and air. And we'd ideally like to get back to Agronomy 101 with 50% soil. 25% air, 25% water. And if we've got that environment, we've got just the right amount of air and water that our plant roots can thrive. And that leads to great crop production. If we end up with too much water, it, it takes all the air out of the soil. And that's very difficult for everything that's living in our soil. And I think anyone that's farmed for more than two seconds knows, wow, there's a ton of living stuff in the soil, whether it's bacteria and fungi or uh, earthworms, just just all these living things in there. So we have to have the air. That's why this drainage is so important. And we think about year to year, if you have a year where the water table comes up and it's too high, it kills off roots, it kills off all those living things in our soil, if it's there long enough, that it takes a number of years to really get going again. And we often see that if we have just spots in our field that the water table gets really high and we have poor drainage, and we, we have salts rise up to the surface, creating more issues for us long term. We have, you know, poor soil health. It, it just makes a huge difference. And that's why we talk about this a lot. And the cool thing about it is we're doing the right thing for the environment, too, because not only are we helping improve that soil, we're allowing that area of our farm to take in more carbon, which everybody in the world seems to like that we can sequester a lot of carbon. We can do more of that if we get a good, healthy soil. And, of course, we can raise better crops, which helps our farm, which helps our local communities, and so on and so forth. So just so many positive things there. And the water, as it moves down through the soil, and we typically put our tile lines in about three feet deep. When we filter down through three feet of soil, the water that comes out through our tile lines is is really pretty clean for the most part. So it's something that we want to manage well. And, obviously, there's a few more tricks. I'm being very simplistic here uh, of, hey, do it this way, do it that way, and that helps even a little bit more and avoid some problems. Uh, Lots to talk about here with tile, but I don't want to continue that discussion. If you have more questions about it, please call. Our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD. But I do want to dive into the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag! All right, uh, let's start off with this one. It's from Murray in southwestern Ontario. He said, first of all, uh, just wanted to let you guys know how much I enjoy listening to your radio and TV programs. Uh, I, I also check out your podcast. The other day I was talking with my wife about what we were going to do for fall tillage, and she said, well, what are your buddies in South Dakota going to do? <laughs> well, I'm starting to think I'm listening to you guys too much. Uh, he said, well, 
he said, I got a few few things for you here. He said, I often hear you talk about lessons you learned from your dad. Hope you guys realize how lucky you were to have a good relationship. And uh, you should be thankful daily for, for his help and guidance over the years. Definitely we are, no doubt about that, Murray. We, we learned a lot from dad. He's been gone now a couple of years, but uh, almost any situation that comes up on our farm or, or our business interest, we know exactly what he would say. We know exactly, you know, I'm looking at my sister through the, through the glass here in the studio. She's laughing because uh, we, we all laugh. And honestly, Brian's not listening right now, but man, sometimes we exactly hear our dad out of Brian's mouth. So it's, it's just kind of funny how that goes. But anyway, um, so yeah, you're right on with that, Murray, no doubt about it. And he said, I'd love to come to your winter soils clinic, but I'm a one-man show and I've got livestock, so I can't get away for that long, but I'll definitely watch and try and learn as much as I can. Uh, and, and Murray says, I hope you have a prosperous 2022 and all the best in the new year. Murray, thank you so much. We really, really appreciate that. It's, it's why we're doing this show. If it wasn't benefiting other farmers and at least starting the conversation out, even if it wasn't like, Oh, that's going to change something on my farm, at least just getting the conversation started and maybe getting a, a new idea that you consider for your farm. We wouldn't do this. It does take a lot of time and a lot of effort to do what we're doing. And, you know, it, without feedback like that, it's just not worth it. So thank you so much. We really appreciate that. And, and Merry Christmas and, and best wishes to you and your family as well. I get this one in from Oscar. He said, you guys talk about soil sampling a lot. I've got a hay field with native grasses. How deep would you recommend I pull soil samples from? Hey, Oscar, thank you so much. Really appreciate the question. We talk a lot about soil sampling, right about that. And normally in grass like that, that's that's native grass, and it's always going to stay the same. Our friend Neil Kinsey would say a four-inch sample would probably be good enough that that's all the deeper you need to go. Most of the root mass is going to be in those top four inches. We still recommend six inch samples. And I, our reason for doing so is just to be consistent with what we're doing on the rest of the farm. So anywhere in that range, four or six inches is probably a great place to start. Now, if you want to do some deep soil testing and just see what you find, you definitely can. What we found on our farm, and we've got some pasture that in our I guess from what we know has never been broke. So it's been native grass pasture forever. And in that ground, when we've pulled soil samples, whether they're shallow or deep, we found very similar results to what we see in our fields that we've been farming just right around that area. So that that's not always going to be the case, but, but you've got the same parent material and so forth. So I, I would expect that, that it at least be close. Thanks for the question, Oscar. I really appreciate that. This one in from Denny, and he said, I, I got a question for you about sprayers. I'm wondering, would you like to have a front mount high clearance sprayer or a rear mount? Does it make a big difference? If so, uh, wonder why and if you have a preference. And then also, what do you think of a 90-foot boom versus a 120-foot boom? Okay, so full disclosure, Denny, we've got a front mount high clearance sprayer. We've got a 120-foot boom. Uh, that matches up. We've got a 60-foot planter, so that works works really good for us for managing what we're doing. So depends on what you got for a planter. If you got a 45-foot planter, uh, maybe the 90-foot would be a better better deal for you. Um, the front mount high clearance sprayer, we like that for a couple of reasons. One, you've got the nozzles out front. You can see if you're having a problem. It seems like there's less issues with that than than guys that have the the boom in the back, but uh, if you think about it, you're driving through that spray all day long too. So 
depends on what you want. Some guys want to keep the spray in the back so they can uh, just keep it keep it away from them a little bit more, which I can certainly understand. So I don't really care one way or the other. They both can do the job very well. I do like that high clearance aspect. It's been nice. One of the developments in agriculture right now, we're seeing a lot of the corn breeders are trying to breed shorter corn hybrids and i know there's a point and they've they've already pushed the limit and found the breaking point where they went too short and they found they sacrificed a lot of the root development and they didn't explore as much soil so they still wanted to keep the big root system but they found they could back some of these hybrids off to seven or eight feet tall instead of 10 or 12 feet tall not give up yield, still keep a good stock and root system to hold that plant up and to get plenty of nutrition in there to get high yields. And now these high clearance sprayers could be even more valuable as as that technology spreads. But of course, it all starts with you've got to have high yielding corn hybrids. And as they get more hybrids developed, then then we'll see there'll be more chances for us to, to utilize that sprayer later in the season. Thanks for the question, Denny, and good luck uh, picking up that new sprayer. Hopefully, hopefully availability is good where you're at so you can find something. All right, uh, I got uh, an interesting question here that came from the state of Idaho, and I'm going to start this one, and then we'll finish it up here after the break. Uh, this one came in from Mike, and he sent a few pictures of ears of corn and the grain quality looks great mike by the way the dark orange kernels that looks nice but i can see there's a little tip back on the end of the ears and mike said we're farming in idaho we're at about 4500 foot elevation and raising corn for silage normally but we started raising some grain corn a few years ago here our fields are all irrigated with center pivots and we've had yields as high as 250 bushel corn but our average is is more in the upper hundreds so just a little short of 200 said year after year we're seeing a large percentage of ears that aren't finished to the end of the cob and we're trying to figure out exactly why we've sent you some soil tests here and along with our fertility and weed control and other treatment records uh, maybe you can pin things down we've got final plant populations ranging from 34 to 38,000 on 22 inch rows we see the same thing with ears not filled to the ends uh, our local agronomist suggests it may be the corn hybrid, but you guys often say different, so just wondering what you would think. All right, Mike, we'll dig into that problem right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. What do you think of when you hear Palmer amaranth or water hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. AgroLiquid is precision crop nutrition. That means being committed to product performance, to research and field testing, and to superior agronomics. Most of all, AgroLiquid is committed to delivering precisely the right nutrition in the right way, including seed-safe planter plus side dress applications and foliar applications with low burn risk. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. How can you make more profit from your soybeans this year? I'm Darren Hefty give you the answer to that question at a free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. It's Tuesday, February 15th at the Morton Center near Baltic, South Dakota. 
We'll dive deep on topics such as pest control, resistance issues, herbicide traits, fertility, cleaning up white mold, and more. If you want to make raising beans more lucrative and fun, you don't want to miss the free Ag PhD Soybean Agronomy Workshop. Learn more at agphd.com. And while you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn and wheat, a tiling clinic, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. Weed control without the BS. That's more time to apply without wasting time. That's flexible tank mixing that doesn't bend the truth. That's near zero volatility with unmovable principles. With the Enlist weed control system, there is no sacrificing. Get better weed control with no ifs, ands, or buts at Enlist.com. Enlist.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time. Taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Also, you can email us radio at agphd.com. Oh, this is interesting. Just had uh, some power go off here in the studio, so hopefully everything's still working. Um, when uh, when we got this question in from Mike, I thought, man, this is going to be a fun one to talk about on radio. So so uh, to recap here, just for the break, we were talking about this. Got a, got a few soil samples and uh, a fertility program and management program on some corn ground that Mike has in Iowa. They're at 4,500 feet elevation, and they're seeing tip back on the ears. They've had yields as high as 250. Uh, the average is a little less than 200 right now. But he, he laid out the fertility program here, and I was just looking at between soil samples and what you're putting on for, for fertility. We've got a little bit of high pH soil. I'd love to see what the water quality is. This is kind of a sidetrack story here, Mike. I don't think this has a, a big thing to do with the tip back. But uh, I'm curious what the water quality is because we've got some – We've got some sodium out in the field, and it just made me think, man, we've got one of the fields had 3.6% base saturation sodium. The other one has 2.1% base saturation sodium, and that definitely impacts how water moves into the soil. It reduces it, and it means you're going to have to irrigate more. And the challenge is if you've got a sodium-rich irrigation water source, and you have to put more on, and you have to put more on to try to get water for that plant. It just makes that that sodium problem even worse. Uh, we were talking about drainage tile on today's program. That would be my recommendation for that ground right away, is I'd get tile in the ground. Now you've got 
no limit to how much water you can put on, and you're able to flush those salts out uh, by turning the sodium into a salt. You can can flush that out of the soil. So that would certainly be something that I would be looking at if it was me. And and we do see the soluble salt levels above one, uh, one to one and a half. So it's not terrible yet on the farm. But it would be something I'd be thinking about. So I know I sidetracked from your question just a little bit, but something I would be definitely take a look at. And it looks like you're doing a good job putting enough uh, sulfur out there. And I guess that's something you could test for too, just to make sure you're getting plenty. But uh, you're getting some sodium out there, which or I'm sorry, some sulfur out there, which is nice. And your sulfate levels are are decent. So I wouldn't say they're excessive or anything like that. I think you're doing that about right. Now, one thing I like that you're doing is you're split applying the, the nitrogen. So you're getting some nitrogen out there late. A lot of times that can be an issue. If you have, you have nitrogen and sulfur out there late, that can help fill that ear out. But the other thing I'd add to the equation is boron. And your boron levels in the soil tests look like they're between 0.7 and 0.9 parts per million. We like to see this a little higher, but you've got soil that I would call a medium textured soil in the teens for CEC. And on that kind of soil, uh, you can hold a little bit of boron, but you can't hold a huge amount. Uh, you've got organic matter levels around two. So it's not, not too bad, but I'd, I would definitely include some boron with my nitrogen and sulfur application later. It looks like you're putting some on around tasseling time. That would be helpful to have a little bit more boron. What we've seen in our farm when we run short of boron late in the year, we end up with some tip back. Now, boron, we need a little bit all through the year. So that might be something where you look at that planter time mix that you're putting out there with the humic acid and, and a blend. Uh, I might add a little bit of boron in at that time, too, if you can do it off the seed. So in a two by two or something like that, you could put a little bit out at that time and then just add some more in later in the season when you're doing other applications. I think boron would help you a lot. Now, here's the other thing. Why are you planting 34 to 38,000 if you're raising grain corn? I don't think you need that. We often use with our population a factor of 7 to 10 bushels per thousand. So if you're planting 30,000, you should be able to get somewhere between 210 and 300 bushel corn. So to me, I'd be, I'd be backing off that population to 30 instead of the 34 to 38 that you're running. That's something I would look at right away. I don't think you're going to give up yield doing that. And that may be something, too, where if you don't have quite as many nutrients in the soil, if you have less plants to divide that out by, you may get the needed nutrients to the place that you need it on time. So might be something to think about. Might be the answer. Might not. I mean, there's a million things that, that could cause an ear not to fill out. But that would be where I would start. I would definitely pull a sample on that irrigation water quality. If you want, you can send it to us if you want us to take a look at it if if it doesn't make sense to you. But I, I'm betting that you've got some sodium in that water and you're putting quite a bit of it on your soil. That would be something I'd, I'd be curious about. It looks like... Um, your sodium, it, it's there's a couple different measures on your test, but I'm looking at that base saturation test, and over 3%, that's, that's just way too high. So I, I would be nervous about that if that number is getting bigger. I think that's limiting some of the uptake that you got, and then again, put some boron on late, and hopefully that helps fill out those ears too. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that. And if you want to discuss it more, if you have follow-up questions, I'd be happy to take a look at those for you. All right, uh, let's head to the next question here. I got this one from Bruce, and he said, you guys, we're talking about corn stalks and having cattle graze out there, and 
I don't think there's a lot of nutrients out there, but I guess there's some. And uh, at least it'd fill, fill a cow up and feed him for a little bit. I, I agree, Bruce. It's not like, oh my goodness, this is this is the absolute dream for a cow. Oh, this is the perfect feed source for me. No, it might not be their very favorite thing, unless there's ears of corn on the ground. If you had a lot of eardrop or something like that, I can see thinking, oh, okay, there's there's enough actual corn there for the cows. Uh, but but yeah, you're right. Uh, it gets them by for a little while. I got this one from MB who says, you guys talk about cattle grazing on those stocks. How about other animals like sheep or goats? Do you see them grazing on corn stocks? We really don't in our area. We don't have a lot of uh, sheep and goat production here compared to the amount of cattle that we've got. So I don't know. I've never seen that before, uh, but I don't know. I guess you could try that. I, I'm I'm not certain what kind of problems you'd you'd run into there. We always worry about if there's a lot of corn out there, trying to ration things out. Uh, so you may have to use rotational grazing to control how much of that uh, they're they're actually getting. Uh, but yeah, I don't know enough about feeding sheep and goats to give you a great answer, MB. Thanks for the question, though. We do appreciate it. Um, this one from John, he's in Northwest Iowa. He said, I'm a beginning or Northwest Ohio. Sorry. He said, I'm a beginning farmer and I planted corn for the first time this year. I ended up with 170 bushel. This coming season, I'm going to do soybeans and I'm looking for fertility recommendations to put down and get worked into the soil before spring. I did my first soil sampling this month. Hey, awesome, John. Congratulations getting started farming. I have no idea how old you are. If you're 70 years old and you're just getting your first shot or if you're 20 years old, but I love that you're out there getting some soil samples, and that's a great way to, to begin the operation to see, okay, what do I have on the field? Now, I'll say this. You only sent me two soil samples, so I don't know if this is all the soil samples that you did or if you've got more and you just wanted me to look at these, these two specifically. But I would suggest doing grids or zones just to find and manage whatever variability you've got out there because while your pH is pretty stable, right around 7%, we see some differences when you get to the cation exchange capacity that tells us kind of how heavy that soil is and what kind of holding capacity we've got. So we get anywhere from a 6 to a 10 on CEC. That's a big difference. When we get down to a 6, that's pretty light soil, and I can see that's only got 1.5% organic matter versus the 10 CEC has got 2.7% organic matter. So a lot more holding capacity where that 10 is, and I'm betting that you see some differences out there in terms of how it performs when it gets dry and stressful in those parts of the field. Now, when I look at your base saturation percentages, we've got really high calcium our magnesium is about in line, and our potassium is a little bit low. So if we're using some sulfur out there to displace some of that calcium, we could get some uh, potassium to attach to those soil colloids, but we're going to need some sulfur in the equation to do it. So even on soybeans, I would be putting on some sulfur. Uh, Maybe that's 30 or 40 pounds. Maybe it's a little bit less, depending on what your yield goals are. And then start building that potassium. So your parts per million are in the 60 to 70 range. I really would like to see those uh, at least double that. So what I would do is put on what you need for the crop and then probably go a little bit higher than what you're putting on for the crop. I don't know what your budget is, but let's just say you had 60 bushel soybeans. They're going to remove 72 pounds of K. So, and we need to uptake 132 pounds. So if it's me, I'd be putting on at least that 132 pounds to start with and then start building things up slowly. Uh, when I look at your micros, it looks like we got some room to improve there. 
I would recommend in a two by two putting on a micronutrient blend. Uh, I don't want to put that in furrow with soybeans or really any fertility on those light soils with the soybeans. I, I'd be nervous about putting in furrow because it could damage the seed. So yes, you definitely want to start building up the phosphorus and potassium. I'd look at the Ag PhD fertilizer removal to see exactly how much you need for your yield goal. Thanks for the question, John, and thanks to you for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.